Hello Dave! Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Sustainable 240. Oh, welcome yourself, my majestic mole-looking chum. You look like a mole. Like a spy? Am I undercover? <laughs> no, an actual mole. You look oh. like an actual mole. Um, we are Sustainable, your friendly little weekly environment podcast. Ain't we all? All about people and the planet. And why, despite all looking like a mole, we can still have a little chuckle about it every now and then. I've had a coffee, even though it's eight o'clock in the evening. What do you think about that? I think you look like a mole rat. Oh, that's not very nice. Well, you shouldn't have said I look like a mole. You do look like a mole. You shouldn't wear a hat that makes you look like a mole. <laughs> or a big fluffy prophylactic. <laughs> I'm not wearing a big fluffy prophylactic. <laughs> Get on with it. Shut up. Uh, right. We are here to talk to you about some things. And this week, we're going to be talking to you about the culture wars. About things going all polarised and divided, specifically in the realm of climate change and doing anything about it or not doing anything about it. Uh, this is, yeah, it's, it's, well, we'll get into it, but it is a scary prospect, the idea that this becomes a thing, which is all culture warsy, and so... Uh, we're going to look into that. Yes, we are. There are some inhoffs, and we are going to be investigating them and what they're up to, and whether or not they can or should be stopped. How about that? Controversial opinions incoming. Oh, golly! Just before any of that, the usual disclaimers. We do work for environmental charities, don't we all? Yes. And thus, we are enemies of the people. So, if anything that we say makes you feel divided, please don't take it up on Twitter or go straight to the people who employ us, but just have a nice conversational word with me and I'll directly, yes? Yeah, just be open to the idea that, you know, we might be wrong or maybe right and and that's fine and we shouldn't be cancelled <laughs> and if you like what you hear or even if you don't and you just want to for some reason humor us you can give us some dosh at wobbly 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 dot patreon dot com slash sustainable where you can join the small but loyal army of people who chuck in a couple of quid a month to help with the running costs of this esteemed organ stop yawning all shall we get on with it yes good not a mole. <laughs> Inhoff of the week. So inhoff time. Oh god. Now. Now. There are some people. Sometimes we have surprising people in inhoff corner. Um, David I've been in Inhoff Corner a few times. That's probably not that surprising. But sometimes we have people for whom the whole concept of Inhoff Corner could have been invented. Well, yeah, Inhoff. The Inhoff, but also like... Have we actually ever put Inhoff in Inhoff Corner? Yes, I think we have. Oh, I, think right. we, I think we did do it, but quite yeah. late on. I think it's not... Yeah, I think it was relatively recent. Um, but this Inhoff... Definitely should have been in there before. I, think, I mean, yeah, he, I think he's, he's just there. there, isn't he? You don't need to say that he's there, but this week we are going to say that he's there. He is the man who brought to you some of the greatest hits of the last couple of years of social disintegration. Um, Brexit. Tony Blair. <laughs> Your friend and mine, <laughs> Nigel Farage. Do you ever mention that name in front of me, that filthy piece of toe rag? Oh, Farage. I think we have had Farage 
in in off corner before. I'm sure you've had Farage in in off corner. We have been doing this since before Farage was even a thing. You know, like that's how long we've been doing this for. Like, yeah, I Whoa. think. Well, no, but so we've been we've been doing it. If you're new to this podcast, we've been doing it since before Brexit. Right? We went away for a week. We came back and we'd had a Brexit. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yes, Nigel Farage. Now, you may have thought, what with him ruining our economy and stuff and making it so old kids will have to grow up not knowing what foreign is. Yes. You may have thought his job was done. And I thought he'd buggered off. I'm sure he said he'd buggered off. Well, anyway, he's buggered back, hasn't he? And he's buggered back in his little tanks. And his little tanks, all are now even more on the babble's lawn than they were before. And if there's one thing Ol hates, it's A, tanks, and B, lawns. Go back and listen to episode 213 about artificial lawns, whatever Do you know who really hates lawns? Oh, we got followed on Twitter by shit lawns this week. Is that I was was delighted. Yeah, uh, because they they really hate plastic lawns, and their whole Twitter feed is about how shit plastic lawns are. There's a worm at the bottom of the garden, and his name is Wiggly Woo. Come on, let's wiggle, everyone! Right, so what has Farage been up to, Al? Well, uh, he's basically decided that the UK government going to net zero or trying to get to net zero... Oh, God, hang on, hang on a minute. Now, wait a minute. Every time... Yes. Now, every time we say the word net zero in the next half an hour or whatever it is, right, I want you to tap the end of your nose. Okay. Okay. Do Fine. It. Do it now. Uh, said it. Net zero. Good. There we go. Uh, yes, he's decided that this commitment. Don't, don't to, pick your nose. To, <laughs> shut up. When you vaguely... tapped it, did you make a bogey come out? What? You tapped it and then you picked it. You were. That's what you did. Yeah. Well. Yes, but I didn't. You it wasn't a proper pick. It was more just a sort of scratch of the inside. It wasn't. Nothing. Nothing came out. Right, this is ridiculous. We haven't said what's happening. What's happening is Nigel Farage has decided that climate action, doing stuff to try and stop there being climate change, is a thing that is being imposed upon the the great masses uh, by elites like me and you. And what he has specifically said is we need a referendum on the net zero proposal. It's been imposed upon us without any public discussion. Touch your nose, please. I did, I did, I did it, I did it, when I said it, yeah. Uh, I think the fact is that the counter-argument, the counter-argument that the UK should be energy self-sufficient and that we cannot drive millions of families into complete poverty uh, because of green subsidies, I think those arguments are going to get really, really powerful over the next few months. Famous man of the people, Eton educated ex-banker, politician Nigel Farage there once I don't more. think he went to Eton but he was he went Didn't to he? A, he went Dulwich College yeah, Dulwich other, College yeah, yeah. yeah down the road yeah, yeah. Um, yes uh, fair enough I'm sorry Ol. I'm sorry I didn't mean to elevate him above his station um, <laughs> yeah. is that the sort I, I'm aware that you have to correct where people schooled I know that's an injustice you cannot allow to stand exactly right yeah. yes quite right yes also in Inhof Corner this week uh, to be smacked with the Inhof stick is a man you may not have heard of we, we did some we did some learning this week didn't we all that uh, almost half of our listeners now don't come from the UK so we yeah. better we better start be explaining that uh, some of these people are a guy called Steve Baker uh, who I'm sorry for the very 
British name. Like in America, he'd be called something like Randy Chutzpah, wouldn't he, or something like that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but he's, yeah, Steve Baker is his name, and he may not sound like uh, the great dark lord of the underneath, but you know, kind of is. Kind of is. Yeah, yeah. He was one of back, uh, in behind the scenes when the world was looking at Brexit, and they were seeing Nigel Farage, and they were seeing David Cameron, and Boris Johnson, all of that. Behind the scenes, it was your Steve Baker that was doing an awful lot of the agitating. Now you're getting nasty. Yeah. So without being too boring and uh, parochial about it, uh, this is where I'm boring and parochial, uh, within like the Conservative Party, there are factions, there are different groupings, as with any party in any country. But uh, And and the kind of most influential and dark-hearty bit uh, that brought about Brexit was called the European Research Group, the ERG. And they oh, kind of the, reformulated... Uh, Hang on, what music could we play for the European Research Group if they would hate us playing the most? Uh, yes, and they, they anyway they've kind of re, reformulated basically the same gang, and now they are, you know, saying that they are scrutinising the government's headlong rush towards net zero. Right. So they're the Europe. They were the European Research Group in the same way that KFC is the Chicken Research Group, and they are now the Net Zero Scrutiny Group in the same way that a lion is an antelope scrutiny body. Yes. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's Just exactly checking. right. Yeah. Yes, quite heavy scrutiny. Also, uh, touch your nose, please, for net zero. Thank you. Sorry, right. Okay, Good. right. So, look, we don't need to go through who all of these people are. Just, be, just be clear that there is a group of quite influential Tory MPs yeah. and their allies organising to try and undermine um, the government's. I mean, what we think of as the government's fairly flimsy efforts and you know half baked efforts to sort out our emissions, um, but they obviously see it as a threat to. Yeah the kind of world that they want um, to be in existence and they are organising. And it's kind of, it is no accident that uh, Nigel Farage is using his teleprogram to say we need a referendum on this. Clearly referendums, uh, <laughs> one of his specialities. Went, mm. you know, went, went, went well for him last time around. Um, and uh, who else are we seeing? We're seeing, oh yeah, our old friends, we must have talked about these back in the day. Uh, a, a, an outfit called the Global Warming Policy Foundation who, now don't be fooled, don't do much policy no. and, and are very much in favour of global warming. And like, have no foundations. <laughs> yeah, or they're not called <laughs> yeah. that anymore. They're not called that anymore. No. So we have definitely talked about them in the past. We've talked about Dr. Benny Pizer before, who is the boss what a name, anyway, of the Global Warming Policy Foundation. They are now called Net Zero Watch. That is what they're called. So you will notice that this phrase, Net Zero, is being picked up all over the place. So it is now Nigel Farage is having a go against Net Zero. Uh, there is a Net Zero Watch and a Net Zero Scrutiny Group. Oh. Um, and so the very term Net Zero is becoming weaponized. It's being toxified oh, deliberately. Now they have they have some arguments these guys like and it is basically all guys surprise surprise certainly all white people yeah um, this is and, not th these dudes do not give white people a good name 
let me tell you that. These dudes don't give humanity a good name. <laughs> they're, like, they're terrible humans, all of them. Some of them I thought, I genuinely thought were dead. Like names I'd not heard for like five, ten years. It's like, oh, some you're alive. It's not impossible. Some of them are, mate. It's very <laughs> reanimated. Functionally, courses. anyway. Now yeah. look. Now hang on a minute. Now hang what? on a minute. Now because we, we are giving, we want to give them. Now, no, actually, seriously, what's their point? Okay, so their point is, that, well, right. here's a quote from Steve Baker. I genuinely believe that when the full costs of net zero start hitting us, if people have never been given a choice at the ballot box, we could end up with something bigger than the poll tax, certainly bigger than Brexit, because the numbers of people hit by it and their inability to cope will be huge. I am sick to death of people talking to me about the food and fuel poverty and then piling costs on the poor. This is a fundamental moral issue. So, what he is basically saying is that net zero policy, oh, i.e. cutting emissions, loads of renewable energy, loads of electric transport, loads of insulating homes, loads of ripping your boiler out and replacing it with electric heat pumps, all that sort of stuff, solar panels, oh, all that hoo-ha. What he's saying is that is going to cost the ordinary person a shitload of cash, and he stands up for the ordinary person, and he's not going to stand for it on their behalf. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Yeah. That's what he's saying. And it's very difficult to take him at face value, (laughs) because... He's a... (laughs) I think that is the appropriate word for it, yes. Um, And we all know that. And he knows we know it, but... He loves that we know it. He, he loves, loves it. that we know he, it. He loves there's, a campaign it. Abs- in his con- there's a campaign in his constituency called Steve Baker Watch that people who aren't fans of Steve Baker, who like saving the planet, have set up. And they're all about, oh, look at Steve Baker. He's doing all this stuff, right? And Steve Baker's like, bring it. You're clearly all twats and I hate you. Bring it. Like, yes. He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind. And it all helps to boost his profile. Yeah, and stop to, doing it, actually. And to boost his his yes. ego yes. Uh, and let's face it it's not going to be the people that vote for him that are doing the Steve Baker watch thing no. in his constituency no. he As is he not going <laughs> yes he's not going to be worried about making them uh, like him so look it's problematic because he's he's probably got a bit of a point <coughs> he's kind of right that for the vast majority of people, this huge transformation of how we live, how we move, how we heat our homes, how we generate electricity is, is poorly understood. Yes. Um, and it's not like lots and lots of people have been agitating for it. You know, there haven't been people beating down the doors of every MP saying, for God's sake, transition to net zero now. That isn't the case, although it is a very popular policy when people are asked about it. Yeah, don't don't at us. Like, we know that loads of people want this to happen, right? That's not what I was saying. No, it's not what I'm saying, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's not popular. I'm saying it's not the number one thing that loads of people have been beating down the doors of their MPs about for loads and loads of years, okay? Um, And he is also right that it's going to cost some money because Mm, doing good things... Well, doing anything costs money. Or doing anything costs money. Having a health service costs money. Exactly, exactly. Having a babble costs money. Having a babble costs money. www.patreon.com slash sustainababble and contribute. Where he's obviously wrong is the implication that because it's going to cost money, it shouldn't be done or that it's going to cost more money than it should Um. Or that it's anti-democratic. You can't say every policy that an elected government pursues is anti-democratic. Well, particularly not when they said, if you vote for us, we're going to do this stuff. 
Exactly. Yes. In the manifesto, blah 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 blah. Right. So I don't I don't want to say he's right, but I just want to acknowledge that like he is hitting on something. Yes. And I think we should not we shouldn't be too sort of sneering and be like, he's a moron, he's wrong. Ignore him. I don't think that's the right approach. Good. Let us then all disentangle it. So this episode is called Culture Wars, right? And I wanted to do some disentangling. First thing I wanted to disentangle and just deal with and actually make an apology for is we were going to have on this episode an expert in the culture wars, someone who's written about it. And kind of relatively late in the day, that person dropped out. So we had to do some sort of last minute shit, 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 shit sort of (laughs) research. It does mean Ol and I are not pretending to be experts in like the history of the culture wars. Although, go and listen to the podcast by John Ronson, the podcast series. It's called Things Fell Apart, and it's six episodes all about different sorts of culture wars, where they come from. It's very, very, very... If us blundering through this episode makes you want to find out more, go and listen to that, right? I wanted just to dispense very quickly with the whole will it cost money thing, which is essentially to say, like, don't want to talk about that. It'll cost money. It's really complicated. It doesn't, like, really... Yes, it'll cost loads of money, but it doesn't really kind of matter because it'll save loads of money as well. No one quite knows how much. It's all really, really complicated. The point is not about will it cost money. That isn't the point. The point is more about is this a thing that's going to stiff the poor? That's what I'd like to talk about. Um, I'd also like to talk about what a culture war is and whether or not the likes of Steve Baker even care about stiffing the poor, really. I'd like to talk about whether we should worry about it and if we should worry about it, what should be done about it? So can we disentangle it thusly? Yeah, that sounds good. Um, the money thing's interesting, isn't it? Because I think I've spent quite a lot of my career trying to convince people that it's like not going to cost as much as they think it is. I've definitely well, climate, done that. Climate, I've, doing the climate stuff. Yeah, because I, you know, when in the early days of trying to get more solar power done, it was quite expensive. And everyone's like, oh, it's way too expensive. And I was like, it's, but it's getting cheaper, look, you know, and, and it did. Um, you know, these thing, new well, things are expensive. That, they get the cheaper. Babble that won that. Yep. Babble that won that. And I think, yeah, I think probably you, we've not had the confidence to say what you just said. Like, what's that in? Well, it's important. Oh, it's not the point. So we, yeah. it's important. So we should do it. And we'll find, yeah. it, and like, governments always do things that are expensive if they, have decided that it's important to do it and it's right. And they have no problem coming out and justifying it when that's what they feel. There are people out there who are all too happy to say that this stuff is going to be more more expensive than it actually is and that should be challenged. But I agree with you that it's not the point. Money is not the point. Not here. We will come in a minute to like who pays for it, which is more of the point. That is we'll the come point, to that. yeah. We'll come to that in a minute. Right? But how much it costs, not the point. So, and also... These people were quite happy to do a Brexit, and that, like, whenever, and, and that is economic mayhem. And they knew that, and they didn't care, so they can sod off. They explicitly didn't care, did they? They they were like, yeah, so the economy might shrink. So what? You know, we'll have our blue passports, and it'll probably get better afterwards. Like, you know, economic arguments are deployed when it suits them um, in either direction. So ignore it. Ignore it. There is a time to surf, and there is a time to wax your board. <laughs> 
And I'm not just talking about surfing. <laughs> oh, 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 right, OK. What is a culture war? I shall save you having to define it, and we shall turn to our friend Wikipedia. Wikipedia defines a culture war as a cultural conflict between different social groups and the struggle for dominance of their values, beliefs and practices, generally referring to things where there's polarisation in societal values. So it's the idea that you've got people, different groups of people who identify as groups, lefties, righties, oldies, youngies, etc., um, who hold views that are diametrically opposed about something that is kind of important to the country. That is what a, a neutral perception of it, a description of it is. Uh, yes. Important is the only bit I'd challenge there because sometimes they're incredibly small things that get turned into incredibly big debates. To be fair, I, added, inst- I added the word important. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yes. yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, so I guess um, good examples of culture wars recently would be like um, the removal of statues of slave owners and yeah. stuff. Good. So like thing, you know, five years ago, if you went and stopped somebody in the street and said, what's the thing you care about most? They are very unlikely to have said that statue of, uh, you know, Edward Coulston, yeah. Coulston or something. Yeah. Um, it is. It, I, I love the fact that that statue's there. And if anyone ever came and tried to take that down, I would like, you know, use my dying breath to try and stop them. That isn't a thing. No one cared. It was only when a subset of people uh, with a certain set of beliefs wanted to take down these statues because of what they represented uh, that other people were like, well, no, I don't like those people and I don't like the sound of this and now I care about statues and statues brilliant. Yeah. And that sort of thing has happened on a lot of issues. And one of the good things about climate until this point is that it's not really been subject to it. Now, there are other definitions of culture wars, which I think is really important at this point to chuck in, right? Because other people say that a culture war is a thing that is generally people on one side of the political spectrum. So the people who are doing the kind of, like, um, trying to portray social change as a bad thing type people, they are the ones who create the impression of there being culture wars. And the term is generally used by right-wing type people. I don't want to be too generalising about it, but it's not... A culture war is not a neutral thing. There, is a, there are people who try to create the impression of one, who try to make them, who try to make it like this group is pitched against that group, and in so doing, make people think that this group is pitched against that group. There's a, a stat here that's 46% of the UK public in 2020, according to a poll done by King's College in London, that 46% of people thought there were culture wars. So what, to what extent do you agree or disagree the UK is divided by culture wars? 46%, right? And like the rest of them either strongly disagreed or didn't know. So there's definitely a perception that it happens, but that perception has to come from somewhere. It has to be made and manufactured. And unfortunately, the bit we're not going to get into too much, but listen to John Ronson and we'll hopefully come back and do this. But our guest would have talked about it, but we can't do it. It's kind of, you know, the underlying gittishness at work there and who's doing what. Um, but let's. Do, it's really important not just to take it at face value and say there are culture wars, right? Yeah, exactly. But what does it mean to me? People have different um, interpretations of anti-woke or wokenism. Uh, to me, it means people who seek offence where it doesn't exist. Exactly. And I think we've all got anecdotal evidence of that where, like... I don't think I've ever used the word woke in a kind of like serious way to describe what I think or what any of my 
friends think or any of the people I work with think who are trying to do work things. But I hear it from people like, you know, relatives who are kind of old and kind of eventually catch up to the idea because the Daily Mail has been telling them that like there are all these woke people trying to make everyone woke. And it, it's like, well, no. not really, not yeah. really. What's that thing you found? You found this other thing. I've listened. I've been listening to other podcasts, Dave. I, just, I barely listened to this podcast. Yes, I was going to um, say you've got the priorities I, wrong, son. <laughs> I have. I've branched out and I've started listening to some other podcasts, including one which I used to listen to in the run-up to American elections called Five Thirty Eight. Yes. Um, and oh, did you know they, in... they've said that Brentford are statistically likely to stay up this season? So I like Five Thirty Eight. Oh, there, <laughs> there you go. They can stay. <laughs> We're not cancelling Five Thirty Eight. No. Um, they they had some very clever people on to talk about their very clever new book. And their book was saying, hang on a minute. There is this incredibly widely held perception that American... America, right. So we're talking about America now. Not this really. is still about yeah, America. But still. That Amer- America is more polarised politically and more divided than it ever has been. But actually, they looked at some data. They asked some questions in a different way broadly reached the conclusion that the people who are engaged in politics are very polarised. But it's only about 20% of the peop- of the population that-, that are sufficiently engaged yeah. to like have those strongly held views. And the fascinating, the metric they used to, to try and establish this was like, basically, if your son or daughter got into a relationship with somebody from the other tribe, so like if you're a Democrat and your son or daughter gets into a relationship with a Republican... Is that a problem? And they found that that was a really robust way of like right. seeing just how much people really cared and were really polarised. And it was only about sort of between 15 to 20% of people who, who said, yeah. Um, so they're saying that you've got this situation where actually most people aren't that engaged, don't give that much of a shit, aren't as polarised as you think. But the ones you are are very noisy they're often the people deeply involved in politics and therefore making politics and making the news. They are reported on. They're also very active on things like Twitter, which is increasingly what journalists report. You know, the amount of news articles you see now, which are like, thing happened, this person on Twitter said this, this person on Twitter said this, which gives the impression that that is what a, po- a population mm. thinks and it, and it isn't. So, yeah, go and listen to that podcast. Uh, it's I just think it's probably likely that that sort of thing is going on here as well. Um, that we're not we're not as divided as, as as we think we are. Opinion is divided on the subject. <laughs> yes, all the other captains say it is. I say it isn't. Totally, totally pluralistic ignorance. Old people think that other people think things that. And so they think, oh, well, if other people think it, I must think it too. Um, no, I mean, look, let's, you know, let's, let's turn to the matter in hand, right? Like, what we may have created the impression earlier in this episode that we were talking about a legion of MPs, that half of the Conservative Party was out there going, net zero is a plot against the poor. Um, but it's not. It's 19 of them, which is about 5%. Um, and 19 of them, you know, from a very particular bit of the Conservative Party. There are far more Conservative Party MPs what are supportive of climate action. There's a thing called the Conservative Environment Network, which I think has got about 100 of them in or something. Well, like we, that. Had the, we had the guy who runs them. We had Sam Hall on here, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, so, so, firstly, it's only, it's only a small 
number of people pushing this stuff, which is not to say that the impression is not being very effectively created, that this is a bigger deal than it is, because it is. Like, And as friend of the babble, James Murray, has said in a very good piece on The Guardian, you're going to put it in the notes. Yes, I am. Um, that it, James Murray says that, that you don't need the majority of the population to think something to create a myth, to create a myth-making frenzy. You can do it with a very small minority and a set of media outriders, which is, of course, how, like, look at Brexit, right? Like, 40 years of a few people in a few newspapers banging on about bendy bananas and banging on about, like, Brussels coming over here and doing that. And, like, a few noisy people banging, like, Farage, going on about saying, like, what we need is a referendum this and a referendum that. And the impression gets created that a thing is a big deal. And then it becomes a big deal, right? That's the thing. Things become actual cultural moments. So, it, like, to me, this does matter. Like, it may just be a small number of people doing it, but the fact there's a small number of people doing it can quickly become a bigger number of people doing it. And They're that's not messing about. They're, They're not-, not messing about either. You know, they, this is not an idle little game for them. They're no. bored. They've done their Brexit. They're looking for something else. They are serious about this, and they, you know, they know how to do exactly what you just described. And I think what is also important, which I kind of mentioned before depending on whether that bit made the edit uh is is that as with the brussels bendy bananas thing it's mostly bollocks but there's a kernel of truth in it yes and and there's a kernel of truth in the fact that climate policies are being kind of imposed on people and it's not going to be uh shouldered by uh people with the broadest shoulders Here is, here is a quote on that kernel of truth thing. I do want to talk about this. Here is a quote from Andrew Neil. So Andrew Neil oh, is... Old Brillo. Old Brillo. Uh, for American listeners, I don't know, he'd be on Fox. He'd be on Fox News if he was in America, right? But Yeah, yeah. Well, he's more interesting than that, though, because he was like mainstream, mainstay of BBC political coverage. Everyone kind of knew he was right wing, but he did the BBC political impartiality thing yeah. for a very long time. And then he went off and did, like, the Fox News Fox equivalent News, here. Yeah, and, and tanked satisfactorily. Yes. Anyway, here's a quote from him, and I agree with every word of it. People want a cleaner, greener planet. They will not tolerate a green strategy that involves posh folk telling plain folk what they must do. Especially when the posh folk are doing very nicely out of the greenery and plain folk are picking up the tab. I agree with that. I think that is, you know, obviously, let's not take it at face value, but that as a statement, I agree with. I agree with the idea that if climate policy is going to happen, and if it is a thing that poor people will have to pay for and the rich just impose on them, that's not good. I agree with that. Um, And I think what's happening um, in that excellent Guardian piece that I mentioned, right, is that there's like, there's a truthiness, there's a sort of, there's something about this claim that posh people are telling poor people what to do, that the has a sense to it of like, yeah, you know what, that that does ring true. That does ring true with like what's happening to housing and jobs and wages. It does ring true with that. And like there is this kind of cultural resentment, the Guardian says, that this taps into, right? Like, And I wouldn't necessarily trust this government to do climate policy in a way that didn't do that. Oh, because they don't have a world-class track record of doing that either, right? 
there is something to it and not enough attention has been given, I don't think, by governments or by campaignery types, to really going, well, how do we make this something that ordinary people think is a brilliant idea and which doesn't stiff them, right? And so you create this kind of vacuum into which people who deliberately want to create havoc, people who are linked to climate denial groups, like what is now called this Net Zero Watch Global Warming Policy Foundation, who are will frankly just attack anything that they think they can build some popular support for, will have a go at, right? So I, I don't know whether or not doing net zero will hit poor people hard or not, but I do know that like there's, a, there's an element of truthiness to it that it could, yeah. right? Right, hello, Dave here. Um, this is all a bit serious, isn't it? So what I thought I'd do is just for a little diversion, I'm going to bring forward to the middle of the podcast my joke that I normally tell at the end of the podcast, just for a little bit of light relief. How do you feel about that? Oh, oh as enthusiastic as I always feel about your jokes. Oh, but this time you have to, you're not, because people, well, you, you have to actually enjoy this, and, you know, because yeah, this is part fine. of the content. This is not bonus. This is Come on! Content. What do you call a Frenchman in sandals? I don't know. Yes, 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 yes. Philippe Fallop. <laughs> They're not sandals. Yeah, they are. Flip-flops aren't sandals. Oh, come on. Don't be getting all etymological with me. Do better. Your last joke was really good. I liked the perch one. That was good. Why shouldn't you wear... You... <laughs> no. <laughs> I... That one might get us cancelled. <laughs> yes, I'd, uh, I'll maybe take that joke out. Should we get on with it? <laughs> so do you think then that there is a risk that we could have a repeat of the kind of Remain campaign yes. failure here? Yes. By which you mean... Don't worry about it too much. Have better statistics. Tell everybody that we've got their back and it'll all be fine. They don't need to worry about it and hope that deals with the issue. Yeah, well, it, it, ignore all of the things you were talking about, as in like... The legitimate you know, bits. Yeah. Ignore the legitimate bits. Ignore the sort of sentiment, the gut feeling that it might be a bit unfair and it might be being done by posh people, as Andrew Neil says. Like... Ignore all of that and just say, here are some economists explaining why net zero is actually, in the long run, good value for money. Yeah. And do think things like that, which, I mean, <laughs> I do didn't th- work. I do think that. And there was, um, like, I'm not saying, I want to be really, really clear about a thing. This is not a very bouncy podcast, is it? It's I not very be, bouncy. I want to be I'm, very, yes, very sorry. clear about a thing, right? I am not saying they are right. But no, I am. I but I, and, and don't at me at that. I'm not saying they're right. You don't need to tell me about the economic benefits of this bloody, 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 blah, right? I know. Bloody no, right? Written far too many pointless documents. No one ever reads about that. I'm going to read some of them because your track record in this podcast of maths Uh is really bad. Please don't do that. 
And you've, re- you've written a lot of maths things <laughs> Sorry. in like I worked, published things. I worked with some very good mathematicians who always checked my numbers. It's fine. And obviously I never read any of the stuff that you did. I just furiously tweeted saying how right you were my about something. My numbers were always checked. Don't <laughs> I worry. I might go I back did, and have a look. I did the polemic. Someone else did the numbers. Don't you worry about that. I didn't know you were good at maths though. <laughs> if, if one is worried about this, which I am, and if one is, you know, thinking, well, what should be done about these culture wars, right? I'm going to ask you some things, and I want to know whether or not you think the things should be done. Okay. Thing number one, do nothing. I love that. I always favour that option in any (laughs) given scenario. That's my favourite. Do nothing. Do nothing. Do nothing. Do soddle. Go, so what? Bring it. This shit is happening whether you like it or not. See all, like, see all them electric cars people are buying that are getting cheaper, and ev- cheaper every year? Still going to buy them. See like all them youth people that think climate change is now the thing? They're still going to think that. Like There is nothing you can realistically do. Let the white angry people have their squabble while the world just gets on with this shit. Oh. It's very appealing because it's the least work. <laughs> um... But I, I'm uneasy about that. Mm. I think what you said, a word you used earlier is very instructive. There is a vacuum and these gits are filling it. And if mm. we don't get in there, they're going to completely fill it. So I, I don't think doing nothing is the right thing to do. Because, I'm not sure what the right thing to do is, well, because it but I don't been... think just leaving it alone and, and saying, as you say, look, bigger forces are at play here. It's all going to happen one way or the other. It's going to happen. Don't worry about well, because, it. Because and that was the strategy to go to your remain point. That was the strategy, crudely, or in about 2013, 2014, of people who didn't want Britain to leave the EU. It was basically like, these little upstarts, just ignore them. Don't worry about it. See also yeah. the Scotland referendum, right? Where, okay, Scotland didn't vote to leave the UK, but for a very long time, it was assumed they would be absolutely crushed in any poll and so hardly anyone worried about it, didn't engage with it seriously. This stuff, as James Murray points out, can really quickly build ahead of steam. So while it is true that I think the world is getting on with this stuff, like from a just kind of keeping the show on the road point of view... No, I don't think we should just ignore it all. Well, also, look at look at the stuff which is getting on with, the world is getting on with and things are happening. It is all quite elitist stuff, right? Like, solar panels <clears throat> being deployed in lots of places and getting cheaper, That that isn't a kind of helping out all of the poorest people in society policy. In fact, when it started out in this country, it was much more like that. You know, because there was a lot more kind of community scale solar and stuff, but that stuff all got taken away, and it's now a very—it's a middle class thing. Solar panels, really. Um, I know that's a bit crude. Don't at me, but it—but it's a bit crude. Electric cars, same deal. Like I know electric cars are happening; they're getting cheaper. That's great, but it's who's who are going to be the last people to get electric cars? Oh, it's uh, the people with least cash. Just that is just what is going to happen.
Okay, what about then uh, number strategy number two, which is to fight it really hard. Play the man, not the ball, as they say. So, you got a problem with Steve Baker? Fight a local campaign against Steve Baker. you got a problem with 19 bad Tory MPs? Find 20 good Tory MPs. Organise in Parliament. If they're attacking a bit of law, do a really good parliamentary campaign. Get better stats, better spokespeople. Try and squash this rebellion person by person. Oh. I don't know about that one. I think some of it probably should happen Mm. Um, because otherwise vacuum thing. Vacuum. Um, You don't, you you really abhor a vacuum, don't you? I hate vacuums. So look, vacuums are bad. I, I, I think, and I think there should be some fairly robust, like, Exposing who these people are and what they stand for. I was for. getting tactical now. Get your pen because out. Get your pen as, out. Tactics. As, as, as friend of the Bible, James Murray, has pointed out separately, none of these people who suddenly are taking it upon themselves to stand up for the poor have done a second of anti-poverty campaigning in their life. They are not people for whom the primary political motivation is how do I best serve the poorest in society? How do I squash inequality? How do I give the voiceless a voice? They don't think those things. They just deploy those arguments when it suits them yeah. to do the thing they really what want they to do. What they do think is climate change is a, is, is a hoax or is made up or is a problem. Like the, the number of links that the, these MPs have to climate denial organizations including one of them like the, the chair of this net zero scrutiny group thing has just hired the head of policy from that global Warming yes. policy foundation as is yes. staff so like yeah you know, yeah exactly and i think that should be really clearly explained exposed there will almost certainly be you know dodgy funding to be uh, uncovered here and that i it, there just must be links between these people and big oil and all the rest of it like that stuff should be dug around should be exposed and should be loudly loudly talked about the good people Um, at desmog have done some good digging into that there has been digging done yeah there are like definitely sinister forces that fund all the bad things also fund this definitely yeah right i'm gonna move us on move us on move us on yeah, we'll be here all day. Do a bit of that. Do a bit of Stop that. asking me questions then. Tell me the answer. Don't <laughs> No, because I don't know. It's a bit of everything, isn't it? Um, so okay. get uh, the people on the telly who are talking about it not to be the likes of me and you in a suit, but people from like South Fanit, where they voted for this Craig McKinley, who's the boss of the group, and where Nigel Farage stood. So get people who can just talk more authentically to them, the them being, I don't know, whoever it is is they're trying to mobilise. Um, so get better media strategy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. Like, Good. Okay. You definitely don't. You definitely don't want knobs like us in no. suits telling people that green jobs are important when well, we've never done a green job in our life. Although it does depend uh, where, right? Like knobs, knobs like us in suits doing what you did and went on Newsnight to talk to another knob in a suit, Quentin Wilson, about cars. Testing them at the MOT mm-hmm. for particulate pollution with a particulate meter. We do not do that. So now. change the MOT. Well, the MOT is not always being enforced as it, as it should be. We know that filters that take out particulates are sometimes... Uh, that's yeah. fine, because that's only going to be viewed by knobs who normally wear suits, but it's the night times so they're taking their suit off, right? That's all right. <laughs> but what about things like going on the one show or going on, you know, insert stereotypical uh, television programme watched by the lower orders here, like what about <laughs> something like that? Yes, I think that should be real people yes, that do that that's what and I mean. diverse people and... 
know, you need people who are in new industries that have come about because of things like you know, making wind turbines or even things less highfalutin than that. You need those people to be saying, look, this is, this is good. This is like meaningful, fulfilling work. And uh, it's great because that other industry I was in was shit. Like you need those people to do it, not people like me and you. What about then if you are in the business of proposing stuff should be done about climate change, like getting more serious about making them, making what you do about it, things that are actually really good for like ordinary people? That, and that feel like it and that people get and really working hard at that and not doing it like a kind of afterthought or a rhetorical little flourish at the end of your policy. Uh, yes, definitely agree with that. And I think um, that comes back to a massive problem that the sector, what we work in, has, which is that it's full of people who aren't ordinary people. It's full of <laughs> elites, frankly. Like, they're some of my loveliest, <laughs> best, you know, best friends in the world, but we're all... Broadly speaking, it is elites. We, you know, we, we are comfortable talking to politicians or talking to journalists or whatever. And our jobs are white collar worker jobs. And there needs to be a much more diverse bunch of people working in this sector. Otherwise, it's never going to be able to, you know, you can't just think up. How do we become more relevant to an entirely different demographic if you are not? That demographic, that's not how it works. No, it? no, exactly. And, and I was, at least the fifth thing, like, just I'm going to summarise this as like, get it. Get it. <laughs> like, get them. Not being like, there is a problem here, which is that some people don't want to do what we want. And so the answer to that is to make that problem go away. It's like, well, it's a problem that comes from, like, making this stuff really actually part of the lives of normal people. And uh, if that's an alien thing to do, talk to more people and... Like, go to places and find out what people want and make policies around that, not just, like, sodding targets all. <laughs> you always have a go at me for targets. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a target for a very long time. Well, you've got your targets set in. You're the one who's got the country under the jackboot of the oppressors. <laughs> if only. <laughs> people. What a bunch of bastards. <laughs> if Boris Johnson at the time of recording, still the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, has learned one thing over the last couple of months. It's that stories that have that element of like, yeah, that's true, I get that, I believe that, I've got, that's, that does shape politics, that does shape things, right? And there is something about this story which has enough of a kernel of truth to it, I says, that means you should take it seriously. And so your choices are either like, try and squash the people making that claim or and or respond to the kernel of truthiness with humility and better plans i think that's i think that's more important i think the latter one is more important because you ha- again to you know use the brexit analogy you ha- you run the risk of leaving yourselves easily portrayed as the elites trying to squash the people trying to make the point that net zero isn't fair. And so even though you've got like a bunch of elites, like Boris Johnson, I know he's not being net zero zero sceptical in this context, but like, you know, he did the whole Brexit thing from the position of the most elite of the elite, but portraying himself as the man of the ordinary person. Um, and if if 
if we as a an existing kind of climate movement or whatever go and try and crush the people who are saying net zero isn't fair they'll say look here we go here it comes here comes the big clunking fist of the metropolitan elite coming to tell the little people that um they're wrong and that's a very difficult accusation to to shift when it's been shot at you That is just about it for another episode of the Com- comedy podcast. Is it this comedy? Yeah, sorry. Yes, sorry. Got a bit serious there. Got a bit serious. Got a bit serious bit there. Not hugely bouncy. Sorry, no. we're normally a bit more bouncy than this. Uh, so next week, entirely bounceful. Um, yeah, but it's okay. Light and shade, Dave. Light and shade. Sometimes you get a serious, a serious babble about serious stuff. Um, and sometimes you get knob jokes and so next week knob jokes very good oh yes uh, thank you very much for babbling thank you very much to Arabella for so nobly reading out the eco cuff thank you to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts ends and intertwinkles this podcast and thank you to the magnificent Arthur Stovall for the logo what adorns is, it, it us it and us and our t-shirts and stuff wobbly 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 dot sustainable dot fish to get t-shirts if you would like to tell us that we're cancelled, and I'm a little bit worried that you might like to tell us that we're cancelled. <laughs> uh, don't don't we just get cancelled if you get top. Oh, yeah, that's How true. would we know if we'd been cancelled? Uh, I guess we'll, I guess I guess we'll find out. We'll find out, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope I didn't say... I, I mean, I don't... As per everything, oh, I don't go. really know what I think about any of this stuff. But I felt compelled to it's too late, think mate. some You're not stuff. getting out of being cancelled now. If, we, if we've been cancelled, we've been cancelled already. Can't oh, take it back. It's Don't hard. try and uncancel us retrospectively. We're cancelled. We're done. Okay, fine. Sorry. It was fun while it lasted. Uh, anyway, to cancel us directly, you can email hello at sustainababble.fish. Uh, you can tweet us at the Babble Wagon. Um, or, you know, organise a pylon or subtweet us if you like, whatever. Um, you, or you can just search on Facebook for sustainable one thing you shouldn't cancel is your financial support of the babble if you enjoy this podcast we're at wobbly 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 slash sustainable all where you can join the legions of people but not enough of a legion who give us a bit of financial support every month to make this magic happen and if you can't or won't do that please do consider going to itunes giving us a five-star review and some words what say how much you love us in fact the words are not important you can say that you hate us. I don't care. Just do the five-star review and write some words. Yes? Yes. Somebody wrote some words recently saying that they'd binged five episodes when they were stuck in a blizzard or something. Oh, yeah. And by the end of it, they'd think they'd just about worked out which one was Dave and which one was Ol. Which I quite liked. That's pretty good. It's taken me all this time. I'm never sure sometimes. Right, should we get on with it? <laughs> no. Off with stop. it. Off with it. <laughs> it's completely stopped. <laughs> Off with Bye. it. Bye!